Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Stepping out of bondage and grabbing hold of God's promise. Circumstances can't stop me, and neither will they block me. Today I feel unmovable. Nothing's impossible. To walk on water, to calm the sea. can be free just being me To walk on water To calm the sea Well, good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining the Process 319 Unleashed. I am so glad that you guys have had the chance to join me this morning. It is a powerful time in the Lord. Many of you know that I'm always saying that we get a do-over in God every day that we get to wake up in the morning and have a new start. It's a new day that we get a do-over in God. So I am so excited today that we get to start our day over. If we didn't get it right yesterday, then we can definitely get it right today because we can give God all the glory His word says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So guess what? We are going to have another day where we can learn to be cleansed and do it over. As you know, we always open up with a word of prayer this morning. We always want to invite God to be our honored guest, to be the guest on this show, to direct and to lead the hearts of the people and to lead me where he would want to go. So let's also pray for those that are on their way to work and those who may be listening on demand at a different time or listening at their jobs right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We really do praise you and thank you for being the God of our salvation. You are the God that watches over us. And I just thank you that as you are watching over those that are going to work this morning and driving and those who are already at work, if you're just going to minister to them, Father, you know the cries of their heart. You know how they long for you, Father. You know how they long to go deeper in you. And then there may be those that don't know you right now, and they're just kind of, you know, testing the waters to see what's going on. But, Father, we just bless them also. We just ask that your power, your spirit would begin just move across the waters, move across the earth and touch them. Father God, many people are either going through something, just came out of something, 
or they're or they're about to go through something because we know that life is a process. There's always something going on. And I pray for them. I pray for their families and their finances and their situation on their job, Father God, because you know that everything is not always rainbows and butterflies, and you don't leave us or forsake us in those situations, but you desire us to turn and to depend on and rely on you for all things. You never, ever, one time, ever uh, intended for us to operate independently of who you are. So we just thank you this morning, Father God, for being our God, for loving us enough to send Christ down, to die for our sins, to stand in our place so that we could have a relationship with you, so that we could be put back in our rightful position with you. So, Father God, I thank you for your grace, and I thank you for your mercy. Amen. Well, I hope that you guys are having a great Thursday. Oh, my gosh, the days, the weeks seem to go so fast, and it's like, how do we always get it all done? But God is so gracious and he's so awesome that he allows us to do it. And then, you know, we've been talking about on the show the last couple of weeks the holiness of God and and why we need a Savior and the attributes of God, his faithfulness, his, his love, his mercy. You know, and today I wanted to talk about, you know, God's love for us, God's love for us. You know, with his holiness, we understand that it is an aspect of God's love for us because he wants us to be separated and consecrated from the world. Many of you know one of my favorite scriptures is Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, where it says to be not transformed or conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we talked about that some time ago, but we were saying that the, the world system, Remember, the world has their system and God has his kingdom, and never the two shall meet. You know, the world just does not want to do things God's way, and God is not going to change and do things the world's way. There's always going to be an antagonistic um, relationship between the two of them. And for those of us who name the name of Christ, who call ourselves followers of Christ, we know that it's not going to be rainbows and butterflies. It's not going to always be great and wonderful. And, and, the, and the way we think that God's going to deliver us or walk us through a situation is not going to be a religious way. It's going to be in a way that God gets the glory, and we have to make a decision in our mind if we're going to believe God, trust God, regardless. You know, it's not going to feel good. It's not going to go a conventional way. It's not going to go the way maybe we've heard about it religiously, but it's going to go in a way where God gets the glory and we really come out on the top end renewed in our spirit, renewed in our soul, um, so that our mind and our will changes if we would just submit to God. I think the most important thing is keeping God on the throne and having a reverential fear that at the end of the day, whether we agree with what's going on or not, we have to know that God is God. Too often people get mad at God and say, well, if God is real, why is there so much evil in the world? I always point people back to the beginning of the book in Genesis. It's all there in Genesis. 
God never intended when he created earth for, for man uh, to operate without God. And he never intended to do this all his, on his own. He wanted and gave the earth to, to man. And that's why we know that it says that uh, man will have dominion. Man will rule. And he told man to rule over the beasts of the, uh, the beast and the fowl and the birds and so on and so forth. So we, if we understand Genesis, then we'll understand that God gave us, man, humans, the earth to rule and to reign over. But when the fall came, it divided. When the fall of man came because of man's just one act of disobedience in God's holiness. See, one act of disobedience in, a, in the presence of a holy God causes death. You know, and this was a spiritual death. And if you look um, in the Old Testament, it, it could even cause a physical death. There were times when, uh, when David was bringing the ark back, uh, uh, back home and um, somebody touched the ark inappropriately and they were immediately uh, killed. Not because God is mean and he's horrible, but because he's just holy. And sin cannot be in the presence of a holy God. It must be abolished. And therefore, God gave us Jesus. And God came down in human form because he was the only seed. He was the only human uh, uh, what could become Demas from our sin. So I wanted to talk a little bit today just going over a few scriptures uh, to encourage you. Uh, there's a lot going on in our society today about um, God destroying the world and God not liking you because of so many different things that are going on. But it, it doesn't matter how worse, how much worse, I guess you can say, the world gets. It's the fact that no matter what, God doesn't do sin. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. So we have to understand that God is holy. And because he's holy and because he loves us, he wants a relationship with us. He does not want us to be estranged. But the enemy is real, and the enemy would love to keep us deceived, and the enemy would love to keep us looking at distractions uh, in the earth. But when you see a problem, maybe you're an answer to this. Maybe you're a part of the solution. Maybe you need to partner with God and get yourself right with God so that you can begin to move. But our society is becoming very lustful, very fleshy, and they don't see any need to submit or to bow down to this king of kings and this Lord of lords. And we even see it in our churches. We sit on our, we sit there and look to be entertained. We sit during worship. And worship is meant to be active, not just, but I guess we've gotten so comfortable in our religious behavior that we think it's okay or in our denominational mindset that if you uh, shout or, 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 or halal God or Barak God or anything like that that's over the norm, then something is wrong or something's not cool uh, per se. But when we learn to worship God in spirit and in truth, in our spirit man, when our spirit man cannot contain um, the goodness of what God has done for us, even on those places when we're dry, we go wonder, God, where are you? We wonder where God is, and he seems so far away, yet he's really right there near us. Worship, throne time. I heard a pastor saying this week, we need throne time. I call it face time. We need face time with God, not religion, 
not necessarily music, but FaceTime with God. If we really understood, if we really believed that God is God, if we really believe that God is omniscient, he's everywhere and all-knowing, then why would we sit in his presence? Why would we do what we do in his presence? Why would we allow ourselves to think what we think when he is truly all-knowing, all-powerful? So when we're saying things like, oh, well, God knows my heart, and you know what you're going to go out and do two weeks later or a month later, and even if you don't, God knows what you're going to do because he's all-knowing, you know, but are we giving him his heart? I mean, are we giving him our heart? So God loves us with an everlasting love. So much so, going back over the basic scriptures, uh, just as an encouragement to remind you how much God loves you, how much God loves us. And my favorite, when I saw this scripture for the very first time nearly 20-some years ago, it blew my mind. And it's in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to become perfect. He didn't wait for us to get our lives together. How many times have we heard people say, well, you know, I'm going to get my life right first, and then I'm going to come to God, or I'm going to come to God, and then I'm going to get my life right. Nah, that's not how it works. Christ died for us even while we were yet sinners, while we were in our mess, fornicating, lying, cheating, um, homosexuality, lesbianism. It's what God said. He loves us even while, even in our mess, in our sin. He still loves us. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I don't care what the world says. The standard is God. We don't have to like it, but it doesn't change who God is. Think of it this way. In your home, if you say no dishes in the sink and don't put your feet on my couch, it doesn't matter if I come to your house and say, but this is what I want to do. And this is what I feel is right to do. You will look at me and say, that is fine, but not in my house. Why? Because it's your house and you reign and rule in your house. You have the authority in your house. It's the same thing with God. We don't have to believe it, but his word is true. And at the end it says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So it's not a matter of, of, of um, whether you like what God has to say or not. It's whether you believe it. Now, if you don't, that's okay, too. Nobody should put you or throw you under the bus. It's just different if that's not what you want to receive. If you don't want to receive the word of God as the inspired uh, a word of God, as the unadulterated, un unhindered, unreproached word of God, then we can't make you believe that. Nobody can. But for those of us that do, for those of us that take the word of God as faith value, for those of us who study it and love it and love this relationship with God and have given him the authority and rule and reign of our life as king and savior, then this is what we go by. And we have to stop trying to get people who do not um, receive God as God to do what he does. 
you know, it's, I remember reading a book by C.S. Lewis, and one of the phrases in there he was saying is, why do we try and make people who are not Christians or not following the word of God follow the word of God? It doesn't apply to them. The word of God is for those who want to know, those of us who want to obey. And if those don't want to obey and don't want to follow the word of God, that's fine. You have free will, and God has given us that. And he does that because he doesn't want robots. He wants people to love him because they make a choice, free will. And then we go to our favorite scripture of all time on John 3.16. For God so loved the world, that means everybody, everybody and everything in it, that he gave his only son, that whosoever believed in him, and let's stop there, believed in him, who he is, what he did, what he does, if you believe in him, believing in somebody, then you receive or you take what, they're, what, they, what they say as, 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 as truth. So his only son, that whosoever believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. So we know that we're all going to have eternal life. The question is, where are you going to have it? Where will your residence be? In the new heavens and the new earth or somewhere else, in Hades and hell? You know, God never created hell for um, people. He created it for the third of the angels that fell and Lucifer. You can go into Ezekiel uh, chapter 14 and read about that. It was never for man. But what happens is when we don't choose Christ, then we choose the enemy. You know, there's a a verse, um, I'm not mistaken, I think it's in Isaiah, that says God's word will not return void, but it will do what it's been called to do. That doesn't mean that it's going to come back with the answer that we always want. It could mean, you know, God's word is going out to get a decision. It's going out to get a person to make a decision on what they believe and don't believe, to make a choice that line of delineation. Because God wants you either hot or cold. He does not do lukewarm. And that's in Revelation. So God wants us to make a decision. And then when we make that decision, then we own it. You know, if I say I'm going to do something, that's what he goes, let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. If you say that you're going to do something, if you say that you're going to be somewhere, you're going to want people to trust your word. You see? So it's no different. When we are going to spend eternal life with Jesus Christ, it comes with a decision. And then we go over to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, another of my favorite scriptures. because this is what Paul said. And he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I mean, that scripture right there has so much in it. Because I have been crucified with Christ means that I've died. Meaning I've taken on, I, I put myself on that cross with Christ. And I have died to my desires, my feelings, my inclinations, you know, my things that are, that are not like Christ. And it's no longer me that lives, but I'm living it by faith. And that's how we should all live. When we're going day by day and doing what we do, we should, you know, God, is that what you want me to do? 
because we should be dying to ourselves, which helps us to walk in the perfect, where we're perfectly pursuing our perfection in Christ is what I call it. It's not making an excuse and saying, well, I'm not perfect, but we know that. We shouldn't have to declare that. We all know that if we're in this earth, we're not perfect. So we don't have to declare that. But we do understand that we are in the word of God. We're praying, we're seeking, we're crying out, even in those dry spells where you feel like, you know, God, what? You know, I'm trying and I just can't seem to get into your presence. But yet he's there. And we know that we are pursuing him. We're, we're doing what we need to do through him, through faith, through prayer, to keep our lives holy, to obey God, to let go of those things of the world. We are perfectly pursuing our perfection in Christ, not making an excuse, well, I'm not perfect. We know you're not. We, we, we know these things. But because God loves us so, because he loves us, he sent his son to die. It all goes into Jesus Christ and loving him. And he says, who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, Christ knew, God knew, Christ knew that he was coming down to pay for every sin, every wrong thought, every wrong action, every everything that we would have done from the time that each one of us was born to the time each one of us dies even while we're trying to perfectly pursue our perfection in Christ, even in our moments of human frailty where we just get, where we just mess up, or you cut somebody out one day, or you fornicated the next day, or you committed adultery one day, it doesn't matter the sin. You had a moment of frailty where you allowed your flesh to dictate beyond your spirit, man, and you chose to walk according to your flesh and not your spirit. So what then happened? Christ died for us, even while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. But as we're looking at Galatians 2.20, the life that I now live in the flesh, meaning I'm still here, I'm still mortal, so I'm not immortal, so I'm living this life out in my flesh, but I'm doing it by faith. I'm doing it by faith. I'm trusting God by faith. I'm paying my tithes by faith. I'm by faith in what God and the Son of God. Meaning, my faith is I'm acting out what I believe God did on the cross. Meaning, I'm no longer going to be succumb to the bondages of sin that I was in or that I would once fall into. Christ died to free me from those bondages of sin, so I'm going to walk in the faith of that. In the faith of that. Now, it may not always be easy, and my, and my flesh may struggle, but I can say no. Christ died so that I would no longer be in bondage to sin. So I don't have to live in my flesh. I live by faith. I may now live in the flesh, but I live by faith in it. Faith in what Christ did on the cross. Faith in what his death did for me. He was a propitiation for my sin. He paid for my sin, okay? But it's a gift. And we go over to Ephesians chapter 2, verse um, 4 and 5. And I also want to look at verses 8 and 9. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You know, and that takes off part of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Here the thing, again, is people may look at the book of Genesis and think, oh, wow, he put you out because of, you know, one act of disobedience. Yeah, because he's holy and he's righteous and he doesn't do sin and it was a disobedience. And I said it last week. If God would put Adam and Eve out of the garden for one act of disobedience, why do we feel we can live a lifetime of disobedience and still make it into eternity with Christ? Something's wrong with that picture. We have to always confess our sins, not just one time, but a life of confessing our sins and a lifetime of going to God and saying, God, you know, search my heart. Search my heart. Even as we mature in Christ, God, search my heart and know if there's a wicked way in me because God loves us. And even from the moment of Adam and Eve falling, God always made preparation for their sin. Their first blood sacrifice to cover their sin was made in the garden before he put them out. And then from that point forward with all the sacrifices that were done that we know about in Leviticus and in other parts of the Old Testament, all the burnt offerings and the the uh, grain offerings and all the all the offerings were an example of a sacrifice that none would compare to that of what Christ did. He loves us. And why am I stressing it like this? Because there's so much being said now in the world um, amongst the Christians about how God's going to destroy the earth and all these things are going to happen because of recent events and yada yada. It's true. You know, it is going to happen. There is going to be um, a separation. There are. There is going to be a rapture. There is going to be a war between Satan and Christ. We understand that. Read the book of any revelations. Um, but that does not mean that Christ does not love us. And it really is a warning. It really is a clarion call for those that love God, for those that want Christ. Now, many people will say that they are a Christian, and I really can't say that they're not. Because God judges the world. But if you say that you're a Christian, according to the word of God, then we can buffer each other. Because the Bible says that iron sharpeneth iron. The Bible says that if I see a brother in a fault, that I can go to them and minister to them. But, if, uh, but we are to come to Christ. And, um, and, and he, uh, how do I say, as we come to Christ because he's drawing us because of his love, he's letting us know now that he loves us enough to give us a warning, to, 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 to perk our attention, that, hey, he's coming. And we need to make sure that we know him, not argue about who's going to get it and who's not going to get it, but do you know him? Are you able to stand if they tell you reject God or die? And if we can't do that now when it's still relatively peaceful, even though Christians are you know, taking a hit, you know, uh, what are we going to do in time to even get worse? A true Christian is a follower of Christ. And the Bible says that my sheep hear my voice and they will not answer to another. We obey Christ. We don't water down the word of God to make it appeasing to other people. No, they have to come up. No different than if somebody came to your house 
or came to our country or we go to another country, we have to follow the laws of that land. So I encourage you today, fall in love with Jesus Christ, not religion, not people. Grab your Bible, fall on your face, take a walk in the park, and ask God to reveal himself and that you want to know him because he will reveal himself to you. God is a merciful God. We've seen it in these scriptures. You could also look at 1 John 4, verse 9 through 11. He loves us. We will, he has a manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. But love, if God so loved us, we also to love one another. And we can't do that without Christ because people are special. And they're not always lovable. So we have to learn to love them as Christ would love them. Christ is a merciful God. He's a forgiving God. But there is a line of delineation. When we make, we, we must make a decision to be on the Lord's side. As Joshua said, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you don't know Christ today, I ask you, pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I recognize that I'm a sinner and I turn from my ways. I turn from my mindset and I want you to be on the throne of my life. I receive what you what you did, Jesus, on the cross for me. And I want to be saved and a child of God. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, you've asked him, that means you're going to change from your mindset and you're going to begin to do it God's way. I encourage you, and I'll look to see you guys next week. Remember, on the Process 319 Unleashed, have a great day. We love you, and God loves you also. Talk to you guys later. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.